0: Okay, so tonight we're going to continue with our Bible study. And we're looking at the shield of faith, which is what we really need, right? To be holding that shield up. Because this comes directly from the Bible study. Thank you, Samantha. (laughs) Scripture tells us that Satan is like a prowling enemy seeking ways to attack and destroy. Right, we see that in First Peter, and he continually harasses us with his flaming missiles. Doesn't he? Once we're born again, we have an enemy who constantly seeks to defeat us and discourage us. How many of you feel that way? Defeated, or I'd say more so probably discouraged. Yeah. Right, a lot of the time. I think discouragement is one of his biggest weapons that he uses against us. And you know, when you think about in the Garden of Eden, and you all know this, we've heard this how many times, when Satan came to Adam and Eve and basically did God really say, you know? And what we see when Eve had responded to him, she totally misquoted God's word. But then Adam, he didn't take it seriously either, God's word. Because why didn't he correct her in what she had said? So we see that the enemy from the very beginning was there, seeking to destroy relationships, marriage, mankind, and that battle still rages today. Still rages today. However, Jesus, the one we've been singing about and worshiping and adoring tonight, the second Adam, he overcame Satan in the wilderness. He faced the same temptations that Adam did in the wilderness, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, part of life. But do you know how Jesus fought back in this battle? It is written. It is written. That shield of faith, it is written, God has said, and we see, even today, you know, when I think about everything that's happening today in the world and even in the churches, there is a contest between God's word and rebellious mankind or the world, the spirit of this world, that is so anti-Christ. The world wants nothing to do with Christ. And there's people in the church, even, that want nothing to do with Christ. And Jesus told us that his kingdom was not of this world. And we have to take up that shield of faith in our heart and in our mind, realizing like we saw last week, we belong to a different kingdom. If we are in Christ, if we've truly been born again, we're now his ambassadors, right? And we plead with others to be reconciled to God, right? And we no longer live for ourselves. We're on a rescue mission. We saw that last week. But how many times does the enemy come and lie and say, well, look at you. God can't use you. You're not perfect. Or you're not this. Or you're not praying enough. or you're not this. Constantly, just the voices over, and, and we listen. Instead of taking up that shield of faith, like last week, looking at the scriptures, who we are in Christ, that is our new identity. We are in Christ, and we have to keep taking that shield up and live like we're in Christ, like we belong to him. So I want you to think about what types of fiery darts do you deal with most often? How does the enemy come? speak to you, or lie to you, what have you found to be most effective in quenching his attacks? When he comes, how do you fight back? Just to think about that. Does anyone want to share? What kind of fiery dots do you deal with often? Discouragement, hmm? discouragement, discouragement, like depression. 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 You're not good, good enough. enough. You're not good enough. You I'm gonna just
1: confess. I have an anger issue. An
0: anger.
1: I can fly off the handle real quick, mm-hmm. and he beats me into that. Mm-hmm. You see, I told you you're not a Christian. You're mm-hmm. supposed to you're supposed to forgive and you're supposed to be angry but don't sin. It see you sinned again, you did
0: it again. So how do you fight that back? I try to
1: you know think and it takes a while sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but but no God said that mm-hmm. if I confess my sin mm-hmm. he's faithful just to forgive me. Amen. Every time, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even if I do it four or five times a day, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, but I, I'm not real good at that, but I, I try mm-hmm. to, you know, I, I try to do better, mm-hmm. you know, and get back into God's Word on that, on mm-hmm. um, whatever issue I'm having in at mm-hmm.
0: the moment. Mm-hmm. Taking up that shield of faith, it is written, it is written, what about it? We're gonna share something.
1: Anxiety.
0: Anxiety. Yeah. So how do you fight back?
1: Remembering that God said to take my anxieties to Him.
0: He yeah, so cares on Him.
1: Yeah. Why? Because He cares
0: for. He really does care for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. The enemy's always saying he doesn't care for you. He's gonna come up short. He's not gonna take care of you. You're going to be found wanting. I mean, how many times does he speak that to us, right? But the thing is, why do we listen to him? Why are we taking up that shield of faith quicker? Like Jesus said, you know, Jesus in the wilderness. It's written. It's written. My father has said this, X, Y, and Z, whatever that might be. Listen to Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 19. This is from the Amplified Bible. It says, Be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stands up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places, therefore put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity and moral courage around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season in the spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. There's a lot there. A lot there to meditate on. A lot there to say, Am I doing this? All of it, not just one piece, but the whole thing, what's written here. Because this is what God has given to us to stand. To stand when the enemy comes in like a flood. God will raise up a standard against them. That standard is what his word says. Page 39 in the Bible study saying, knowing the warfare we must face as his children, God has given each of us a suit of armor as protection against Satan's attacks. And that's very encouraging because we see that we have not been left alone here to fight this battle on our own. Jesus said, "It's I need to go to the Father, because if I go to the Father, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm send you the Holy Spirit, and he will help you to fight this battle. And we know that he prayed for his disciples, continues to pray for us. Father, keep them from the evil one. In John 17, we read that, his prayer. What he prayed for his disciples, but what he prays for us, he prayed for us. So we're not alone in this battle. And that's an encouragement to know that. Ephesians 6.16, which was the point of the whole Bible study for this week, where I talked about, again in the Amplified, above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The fiery darts that come. Albert Burns says the shield was an ingenious device by which blows and arrows might be parried off and the whole body defended. It could be made to protect the head. Think about the attacks we have in our mind or the heart. Think about the attitudes in the heart that Satan wants to get a foothold in there with hang, anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, or thrown behind to meet an attack there. How many times are we afraid to take a step of faith because we think, well, oh, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if this, I mean, all the what ifs that goes through our mind and it paralyzes us. And why not doing anything? Because we're paralyzed by fear. As long as a soldier had his shield, he felt secure. This needs to be real to us. As long as he had his shield, he felt secure, and as long as a Christian has faith, he's safe. His shield comes to his aid in every attack that is made on him, no matter from what quarter. It is the defense and guardian of every other Christian grace, and it secures the protection which the Christian needs in the whole of the spiritual war. And when Paul talks about the shield, this analogy, the shield was approximately two and a half by four feet, and it was shaped like an oblong door, and you would hold it in front of you, the Roman soldiers. You know, you think about Roman soldiers back then. It was made of leather. It would be soaked in water to fireproof it. Ensuring that fiery darts could not harm the soldier who used it properly. The New American Standard emphasizes in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which will will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil, of the arrows of the evil. That's a typo there, of the evil one. Our faith is essential, is an essential protection essential, battle-proofed by a loving God who's already overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And all we have to do is pick up the shield, the reality of that. Jesus has overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And again, he sent us the helper to help us to live in the same way And when the enemy comes lying, saying, look at you, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Well, I thank God Jesus died on the cross for me. I thank God that his blood can make me as white as snow. I thank God that he said he cleanses me from all unrighteousness whenever I fall short of the glory of God and I confess my sin. And I'm grieved over it. And I'm wanting him to change me. I'm not going to believe the lie of the enemy because he said in Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. These are the kind of shields we have to hold up. When the enemy comes and lies and says, you're not changing, look at you. But yet you could look back 10 years ago. Are you the same person? Five years ago? Are you the same person three years ago? Is he changing you, changing your desires, changing your attitudes? Are you grieving more? You know, when you realize, I blew it, I blew it, Lord. Don't let the enemy beat you up. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1 says. And that's why it was so important last week to see we are in Christ Jesus, so there is no condemnation. We confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And the more we see him and know him and love him, we want to forsake all the sins, all those things that easily ensnare us. We want to put them off, we want to put them off. So what we see there, the safety of faith, Peter and John teach us how we can live victoriously in this world. Samantha, can you read First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 there? Be sober,
1: be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the
0: world. So how do we fight? By resisting him steadfast in the faith. That word, to be sober, where it talks about that first verse there, be sober and be vigilant, is to watch, to be calm and collective in spirit, to be temperate and circumspect. Don't fly off the handle, don't react. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, James says, because anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So to be sober, we need to be aware we have an enemy looking to devour us. And we need to not be like paranoid (laughs) everywhere we go, but being mindful, you know, that if there's a situation that comes, and let's say that person's in your face yelling at you, realize, okay, how am I gonna respond here? Am I gonna react and be in the same spirit? Or am I gonna pray while this person's yelling at me and asking the Lord, help me to respond in gentleness, to respond in kindness, to respond in love, to be temperate, allowing the Holy Spirit to control me inside control me inside, and he does. If we're slow to speak, quick to hear, he does have an opportunity to subdue us, to subdue our flesh. And then the enemy can't throw it back at us, you know? That you responded in the same way that they did. So what's different about you? You know, maybe someone has said that to you. You you preached to me about Christ, look at you. Be diligent, keep awake, watch, be watchful, give strict attention to, be cautious to take heed. lest some destructive calamity suddenly overtake one. So you see these words that Peter used here. I mean, there's like force behind them. You know, there's a diligence about them that to be like aware aware of these things, not to just lay back and lose sight of these things. Resist him steadfast in the faith, the conviction that God exists and is the creator and the rule of all things, the provider and the bestower of eternal salvation through Christ, a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we have obtained eternal salvation in the kingdom of God the belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence whether in God or in Christ springing forth from faith in the same the character of one who could be relied on that he is faithful and we I think every class we've had since we've started this study becoming women of faith it still keeps circling back if I could say it that way To he is faithful, you know? And that's what the enemy's always trying to get us to doubt in God's faithfulness. And it's a battle. It's a battle. That's why we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we walk by sight, we'll just, we'll agree with the enemy. We'll agree with him. John told us in 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And I would trust that we all here in this room believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that we have made that profession of faith. And Matthew Henry said faith is the cause of victory, the means, the instrument, the spiritual armor, and the artillery by which we overcome. So as a result of faith, what we see here, in and by faith, when we're in a spiritual battle, we cleave to Christ, right? Because we realize I can't fight this on my own. I need him. I need him to help me. I need him. And in contempt of in opposition to the world, I'm not gonna trust the world to deliver me in this situation. Only God can deliver me in this situation. Only God can provide me the help that I need, not this world. This world is empty. It's empty. Two, faith works in and by love to God and Christ and so withdraws us from the love of this world and we see that the more we're growing in our faith, we should be separating ourselves more and more and more from this world, the value of the world, just the things that people run after in this world, the securities in this world. I mean, I think it's easy for us in our generation to see it's really passing away. The securities of this world is passing away, quicker and quicker and quicker. So where is our faith? You know, is it in the world or is it in Christ, the realities of our Father in heaven? And when the enemy comes and says, yeah, but there's no yeah, buts with God. (laughs) There's no yeah, buts. But God says he does. Faith sanctifies the heart and purifies it from those sensual lusts by which the world obtains Such sway and dominion over our souls. And that is a battle too. That the enemy knows how to come and allure our hearts to seek after those things that mean nothing in the light of eternity. And that's a battle, women. And we have to take up the shield of faith, just reminding ourselves, Lord, you said everything that is in this world is passing away. It is passing away. And that is why you keep calling us to come out, to be separated, to touch not the unclean thing. And we see that. We see that in scripture. How many world systems were there in the past that they no longer exist? Dictators that rose up to power, that no longer exists. Their kingdoms just crumbled to ashes. I know I've shared this with you before, but that's what stood out to me when we went to Israel. Everything lies in ruins. All of man's accomplishments and their kingdom, and the only one that will not lie in ruins ever is God's kingdom. So which kingdom are we? living for, which kingdom are we fighting in? How does the enemy come? Faith also sees the invisible world at hand, with which this world is not worthy to be compared. And into which it tells the soul in which it resides, it must be continually prepared to enter. And we saw that last week. The pilgrims here, Mm -hmm. sojourners. this is not our home. What if the enemy comes lying, you're going to die. You got to preserve your life, you're going to die. Well, what am I living for? This world or the world to come, right? I mean, the enemy comes and lies in so many ways. You can have cancer spread through your whole body. What if treatments don't work? Then I go be with Jesus. I mean, what am I, I, this is not my home. This is the battles we fight. Everyday battles we fight. You know, we pray for healing, but what if Jesus decides to take that person home? Do they receive their healing? I'll let you answer that. (laughs) It is the world that lies in our way to heaven. Think about that. It's the world that lies in our way to heaven. And it's the great impediment to our entrance there. And he who so believes must by this faith overcome the world for he must be well satisfied that this world is a vehement enemy to his soul, to his holiness, to his salvation, and to his blessedness. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's not of the world. So again, we have to just keep reminding ourselves of that because when the enemy comes and says, you're gonna lose everything, You may wake up one day and you can't even get into your bank account. They might come knocking on your door and take your home from you. Does the enemy talk to anyone else like that here? What do we do when he says that? Do we carry fear? Or do we look at the saints that have gone before us, the heroes of faith, that's our last chapter in this Bible study. And look at everything they forsook to follow Christ. And they received a greater reward than what they could ever receive here on planet Earth. So, you know, we have to learn how to take up that shield of faith that, yeah, but God's word says that if I was to lose everything, where is my treasure? Is it here or am I storing up treasures in heaven? We're moth or rust, nothing can corrupt it. Remembering our inheritance is in Christ. We're heirs with God, co-heirs with Christ. We're part of his family. So we have to take that shield of faith up when the enemy comes and lies and says to us, or maybe it's true. Maybe what he's saying is true and it will happen. But what am I living for? Which kingdom am I living for? We have to constantly evaluate that. So 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. Some translations said, Vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And what's interesting about that word stronghold is anything on which one relies of the arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his his opponent. And usually we have the enemy will come just the lies about God he speaks to us about. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word, because God's Word, He reveals to us who He is in His Word. But then, too, by experience. When we go through different trials, when we face different hardships, during those times, God is really revealing His heart to us, what He's really like. And He is tearing down lies that we believe about Him, if we let Him, destroying strongholds, vain imaginations, prideful thoughts that we have against God. Because what we don't realize is when we're not thinking right about God, we align ourselves with the enemy. And we're basically saying, see, you're not good. I can't trust you. I have to be my own God. I have to provide for myself, just in case you fail, just in case you don't come through. So when we look at David, I'm going to pass through some of these things we all know david's life and how he ran from absalom his son is basically going to take his kingdom from him and in psalm 3 verses 1 through 4 david wrote lord how they have increased who troubled me do you ever feel like that sometimes how they've increased who troubled me many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for him, In God, Selah. Those many voices that speak, that rise up against you. But look at how David wields his shield of faith. Even though he was troubled, even though there were many voices, I was speaking against him and against God, obviously, because he said there, but you, O Lord, you're a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. Meditate on that. You know, if you find yourself in a situation like that where you feel like there's trouble everywhere you turn in your mind, you're just being tormented in your mind, and so many voices saying so many things in your mind against God or even accusing you. To declare to the Lord, Jesus, you are my shield, you are my portion, you are my hope. Take up that shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Remember, that shield was drenched in water to extinguish the fiery darts. And we have to take it up and not allow the enemy to mess with our head in that way. Remember how God has been faithful to you in Psalm 18, verses 1, 2, 3, this was a Psalm of David 2 when his enemies and Saul came against him. And look at his testimony. He said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold and i will call upon the lord who is worthy to be praised and so i shall be saved from all of my enemies look again how david wielded that sword that shield in the midst of being chased by saul saul wanted him dead and yet Where did David look to for help? And you look at the the words he used for the Lord You're my strength, you're my rock. As he's hiding in the caves of Gedi, mountainous caves, huge caves. My fortress, my deliverer. God was greater than them all greater than the natural. David sang about the high road in Psalm 62, verses 5-8. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him, for God is a refuge for us, Selah. Again, that shield of faith, that's what it looks like to take up that shield of faith when the enemy is just bombarding you with lies about God that he can't be trusted. See, David didn't have a plan B. He was waiting on the Lord to intervene on his behalf. And we know how his story ended. God intervened on his behalf. So, then, a good antidote for the battle wearied is a renewed conviction that God is committed to being our shield no matter what's happening around us. There's safety when we're in the middle, in the center of the will of God. It's when we step out from that umbrella, there's no safety there. So you want to make sure you stay attached to the vine, and God's word instructs us how to do that, how to stay connected. Psalm 91, we're all familiar with that Psalm, everything that Psalm talks about, the pestilence, just everything that's going on, but yet it starts off from verses 1-4, through he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. And he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. And his truth shall be your shield and buckler. And there we're seeing again his truth. His word is your shield and your buckler. Bob Sorge in *The Secret of the Secret Place* says, "Being under the shadow of the Almighty doesn't mean we're exempt from storms, but it does mean He's with us in the storms and He'll bring us through to deliverance." And I remember when COVID had first hit, there was some. Christian women that I know that was saying, oh, we're not gonna get sick. And they were using this psalm to say, Christians are not gonna get sick from COVID. And I know that's like, you totally twisted scripture. How many Christians did get sick with COVID? I'm sure there were some that died from it. So pastors, I know I've read that some pastors that die of it. So I want to reiterate, being under the shadow of the Almighty doesn't mean we're exempt from storms. But it does mean he'll be with us in the storm, and he'll bring us through to deliverance, whatever that deliverance might be and look like. And that's the confidence we have when we go into a storm. We're not alone. We sing that song, right? I am not alone. We're not alone. He's with us, right there with us. In the eye of the storm, he is with us. And he brings us through the other side. And that's something we need to know in our hearts when we face different trials. And the enemy says, God's not there. Or God's mad at you. Or God's punishing you. You know how he comes and lies. See, if you were good enough, you wouldn't be going through this right now. He comes and he lies in so many different ways. And we have to take up that shield and say, Devil, you're a liar. Because I'm going through this doesn't mean that God is mad at me. (laughs) It's part of life. Trials are a part of life. Christians and non-Christians face all kinds of trials and difficulties. And we will face them all the way home till we make it to our heavenly dwelling place. It's a part of life. It's part of what happened in the fall. And it's so important that we understand what happened in the fall so that when the enemy comes and lies to us, we don't sit there believing his lies and agreeing with him. But we take up the shield of faith and that's where we need to know the word of God, be in the word of God so you know how to wield your sword. You know how to take up your shield when he comes. And that's why we do these Bible studies. Hopefully to, to whet your appetite to be in the Word more. So it's important to do what we read in Psalm 118, verses 10 through 11. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And that's something we have to do individually, hiding God's word in our heart. We have to do that in our secret place as we spend time with the Lord at his feet in his word, hiding his word in our heart so that, again, we know how to combat against the lies, the voices, that come and say things that are contrary to the word of God. Don't do a Google search. Get in the word. Let scripture interpret scripture. Don't take scripture out of context. That's where we get in trouble. That's what happened in the garden. As God said, and Eve totally misquoted what God had said. They didn't take God's word seriously. Yes, God has said, and he doesn't change what he says for the culture. I know i and that a lot in the Bible study. So, so in the face of conflict and danger, it's easy to depend on the world to rescue us, right? We tend to look to the world. We make a treaty with the world. We compromise with the world, and then the enemy attacks us. And one of the things that the Lord was showing me, this week as I was going through the study. A false god is anything to which we ascribe the power of deliverance. And there's scripture there that you can look up. I don't want to have to go through all this tonight. um, But you can look up uh, the whole story about Asa that's listed there from Chronicles. But a false god is anything to which we ascribe the power of deliverance. And what, what, what I was thinking about was the shield of faith. We have the shield of faith, which is God's word, right? But we can have other shields of faith that we put our faith in. Sources that we think that can deliver us and we make them our shield of faith instead of God. Meaning we're putting our faith in these things to deliver us. They could be money or a bank account, could even be health insurance, medical treatment or prescriptions, social security, retirement plans, IRAs, credit cards, loans, drugs, alcohol, pleasure, entertainment, recreation, sports, sex, social friends, social circles, counselors, declaring bankruptcy, whatever. We can make anything our shield and fake thinking it's gonna deliver us in time of trouble. And all those things can't deliver us. Only God can. And he's really trying to teach us how to really depend on him these past few years. I mean, he's like really wanting us to get our focus where it needs to be on him. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we do know there is a global shaking that continues to go on to this day. And if we're putting our trust and relying on these things, what's gonna happen when they're all taken from us? When they're being stripped away from us? Where's our shield gonna be? Our shield of faith. This is something we all have to look at personally. What am I trusting in for today and for the future? What am I trusting in? Is it unshakable, immovable, a rock? I mean, think about David, the terms that he used for God. Is what I'm trusting in that? No, it can be shaken. It's not stable. It could be taken away. So that tells me I have to get my focus in the right place. And not just assume everything is gonna to continue to go on the way that it's always been because this is all I've ever known. Because again, when we take up the shield of faith, we get in God's word, we know what's coming. God has made clear in his word, prophecy prepares us for what's coming. And there's a lot of prophecies that have been fulfilled and have yet to be fulfilled. So we have to look at, okay, when the enemy comes in like a flood and lies to me, where am I gonna run to? And whose report am I gonna believe? Because as we've been learning, Becoming women of faith is trusting in God's faithfulness. He does not lie. And he's never failed any one of us sitting in this room. God has been faithful to us from the day we were knit together in our mother's wombs. Even if we had a horrible upbringings, God's been faithful to see us through that and to bring us where we are today. See, in Chronicles, what we read, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So he's looking. In our generation, he's looking. Who can I reveal myself to? Who can I show? that I am, who David said I am. In the midst of everything he was facing, his whole world was shaken down. We had nothing but his two legs to go running. There's no central place in the universe than in his bosom, God's bosom. I resign that tonight. Right? That's the safest place to be. And again, he's teaching us that. And he wants us to grow in it. So the two questions I would leave you with is can we see God using our storms in our lives to guide, guide us to a higher kingdom living? When you think about since the past few years, Is God using all the storms that we've had to face through, whether individually or as a body of believers or as a nation, to bring us to a place where we see our need for a higher kingdom living? So that when the enemy comes and lies, our response is, well, I'm not living for this world because I'm just a soldier. And a soldier doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life. I'm in a war and I want to be a good soldier. I want him to find me faithful, regardless of what anyone else does. Am I being faithful to what I know he's called me to do? Because that's what he's looking at. when you remain faithful to the call to the end. And even when the enemy lies and says, "No one's getting it, no one's interested, no one cares, and no one doesn't matter. This is my mission here. God's made it clear. It's my mission. So if the enemy can lie all he wants. He's been faithful to me, God has been, and i being faithful in the call that he has placed me in, And that's something we all have to look at. And if you are, you don't have to listen to the enemy's lies, because you're walking by faith, not by sight. Walking by faith, not by sight. So the other question is, can we approach life's trials as his divine invitations to elevate us to his realm of faith? Because he's wanting to grow our faith. I think we'll see that with everything that has happened the past few years. So again, I'm going to close with Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 19, the Amplified Bible. In conclusion be strong in the lord draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him that's a key there be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might put on the full armor of god for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places, Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth which is personal integrity and moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart, having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy with firm footed stability and readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, praying with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and every season in the spirit. And with this in view, stay alert, with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer, all of God's people because we're all in this battle together and we need one another we need one another we need to help one another to make it over that finish line to not quit no quitting not allowed (laughs) so I'm going to ask Jesse can you close us in prayer
1: Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and Lord, uh, thank you, thank you, Lord, so much that uh, you have given us all this armor, Lord. Yes. Uh, you didn't tell us to go to war and then send us out with no piece of armor to um, yes. oppose the enemy with or to protect Lord, but you um, gave us every piece we would need yes. to survive this war, God, and to come to the end of it, Lord, and and have our lives in order to bring them to you, Jesus, as a sacrifice, Lord God. So Lord, help us to be mindful of um, all those pieces of armor, but as we study today on that shield of faith, God, just um, convict us, Lord, when we have um, put that shield in the corner or just let it drop, God, um, you gave it to us but Lord you don't force us to use it Um, but how glad we are when we do use it as it's meant to be used Lord help us to just um, extinguish those fiery darts those lies God those constant lies and so many about you or God help us Jesus to believe only true things about you Lord that we have learned from the Word of God and from our experiences God, um, it's true, as Rose brought out, you have been faithful, Lord. You have proved yourself over and over to us, Lord God. And so, um, Lord, once we hold up that shield of faith, Lord Jesus, strengthen our arm, Lord God, to hold it up, Lord Jesus, and keep it there. And Lord, um, help us, Jesus, to just keep our thoughts on you, Lord Jesus, when we're in that battle. Lord God, and to be grateful to offer you up thank thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord God, Lord, and to um, be worshipers in those moments also, God. Um, Satan just hates it when we worship, Lord, so help us to use everything you have given us against the wiles of the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen.